Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks number 127 for September 11th. Oh, such a happy day, 2015. Oh yeah, September 11th. Uh, yeah, so all the things that you're supposed to say about that here. Yes, I'm Jason DeFilippo and I'm here with my co-host... I'm Brian Schillmeister. There we I'm go. Sweating like hell. Dude, I, I can't believe you still are dealing with that. It's one of the, you know, few days that uh, not having AC over by the beach sucks. Uh, so you've got a heart out. I'm sweating. Let's get moving. Yeah. Three weeks ago, you're like, oh, it's only three days, a, three days a year. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, there's something to that global warming thing. I think so. Uh, I was making fun of Burning Man a little bit last week, and uh, I had some some. I, I have a large and diverse group of friends, some of whom call themselves burners, but yet they haven't gone for the past few years because they kind of agree with me. Anyway, they were giving me some crap about it, and then I stumbled across basically the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's a sandwich commercial for Quiznos, which basically just destroys Burning Man. This is a pretty funny commercial. Uh, Quiznos is on a roll. Did you check out the, uh, the Star Wars commercial they did as well? Uh, I saw it after you put it in the show notes. I have not seen a commercial for Quiznos on TV in, in a very long time. Uh, I'm aware of the fact that they are around here. I've seen two or three Quiznos. It's, it's just not a very, uh, it's not as pervasive as, as your subways or whatnot around here. And, and yeah, I haven't seen any of these commercials. I, I, they're great. They're hilarious. The Star Wars one's really funny. This one's really funny. Uh, I don't, can they, I mean, I guess this follows under like the Weird Al Yankovic sort of thing where it's a parody so they can do whatever they want. Uh, Star Wars characters, or I guess, see, uh, the, the, this Burning Man one involves characters from the Maze Runner, which I've never even seen or heard of, but it doesn't matter because they just destroy Burning Man. So it's hilarious. The funny thing about that is I didn't, I mean, I've seen the Maze Runner. I thought it was a meh movie. It was the meh, it was a runner. Uh, but it reminded me more of Silicon Valley than it did of anything else. Yeah, yeah, uh, me too. It's, I didn't even know it was had anything to do with the, the the Maze Runner until I actually read the article that's about it. But if you have not seen this video, and I did, uh, I, I noticed on Facebook that it's actually just starting to make the rounds today, so you probably will. It is worth every second. It is so damn funny for a commercial. Oh, absolutely, definitely check that out. And I'm putting the uh, the Star Tourage, the Foursome Awakens, <laughs> in, yes, in there. Yeah. I watched that as well, having never watched an episode of Entourage, and it was very funny. Yeah, if you if you are an Entourage fan and you watch this, you will be cracking the hell up because I was I was in tears. It is they did such a good job of of this parody that I was literally crying. Not figuratively. I'm not I'm not saying figuratively. I'm saying literally. I had tears running down my face. It was literally crying. Yes. Uh, so a little follow up on the self driving cars. How, how we said, oh, when you're driving down the road, if you want to just <laughs> take a stop sign and stick it out the window, every traffic will stop. Uh, they have figured out how to do it with a laser pointer as well. Oh, great. Yeah, you can you can trick the LIDAR in these self-driving cars with a laser pointer. Um, and the interesting thing is the guys that we talked about before, the, the guys who took over the Jeep in the Wired article, yeah. have now joined Uber. Okay. <laughs> So Uber, I, I can't believe Google didn't get these guys. Actually, what's really funny, uh, I saw right before I came over to record, I was watching a little bit of morning television and I saw a commercial from Uber trying to uh, attract drivers. And I was just thinking to myself, why would you want to go for work for a company that has patently told you that they want to fire you as soon as possible? I know. 
it's on record. (laughs) Yeah, they are on record saying we want to get rid of all human beings under our employee. But right now we need you. So we're going to run ads asking you to come work for us. Yep. Uh, And the other thing I was thinking about, is is there anything good that is ever done with a laser pointer at this point? Um, Just stopping self-driving cars and uh, blaring out uh, pilots eyes when they're trying to land at LAX. Now, here's a funny little story. I watched San Andreas this week. Um, Wow. That was a terrible movie. Why would you think it wouldn't be? I like The Rock. So at the end, the daughter saves herself and her friends by using a green laser pointer. So that's my only, that's the only thing. In a, in a, in a, in a faux world where laser pointers actually do good. Could didn't do it himself. Okay, sure. Yeah, so I, again, I, I know you're anti-legislation and I'm not going to get into the whole uh, license plates on drone things again, but maybe we shouldn't just be selling laser pointers for like 10 bucks on Amazon. Just saying. Uh, well, guess what? You can go anywhere in the world and buy them in a bazaar, and it doesn't matter. Oh, I know. I actually uh, brought one back from Thailand, believe it or not. So so did we all. Yeah, so did we all. So, so say we all. Uh, uh, yeah, I think we, we all brought back uh, green and blue lasers from Thailand. Yeah, I got the green one. It's cool. Yep. That's the one they used in, in, in San Andreas. So when there is a 9.97 earthquake, you can use that to save yourself. Okay, I'll I'll not watch that movie and not find. Oh my out. God! Please don't! Please do not watch that movie ever, Jason. There was no possibility of me watching that movie. I don't <laughs> care how drunk or bored I am on a plane, I'm not watching that movie. No, it was so bad. Yeah, uh, Lefsis makes his return to our podcast here. Uh, I actually like this article. Again, you know, he has to spew out one or two a day. Most of them are horrible. Every now and then, they're fine. Uh, this is called The Rich Get Richer. Uh, it's an older one, so we have the link in the show notes so you can actually read it all. It's not, you know, because the new ones are behind his whatever wall. You can't pay for it. I don't understand. Subscription wall? Is that what we would call it? It's just the paywall. The paywall. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and it basically just uh, talks about how the, the, you know, the crowding out effect of gargantuan movies, how the music industry has gotten squeezed down and the big promise of their, you know, the internet's going to level the playing field and we're getting rid of the gatekeepers and everybody's going to be able to do whatever they want and how that's kind of started to happen in movies too. Well, the reality is no, because now, because everybody can do it, there's a lot of shit out there. And the gatekeepers have now basically become the money men that make sure that you actually know about things. Uh, there's way too much noise out there. So, you know, the whole promise of the internet basically did not work out for entertainment. Yeah, I stopped reading it. It, it lined, uh, was it? Per- or, yeah, line four. Most people are lonely, disconnected. They want to belong, and therefore they partake of what's popular in order to have a basis of conversation. I do not believe that at all. Most well, people I meet are actually fairly, fairly okay. And uh, it's, it's, it's just hyperbole to, to make a point. But this is his thing right now. He, this is, yeah. He, this gets on his thing and he's locked and loaded on that. And I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with him. I, I agree with you in that the circles that in which we run, we're very engaged people. We're, we're interested. We're out there looking for things. We're trying to find things. But there is the great unshaved masses. But everybody I meet generally is not like this horrible person that's like, oh, God, life is so terrible. I have to go to Disneyland and find all the goths that are still hanging out there from when you were a kid to go get in that crowd. But most people are generally pretty okay. Absolutely none of the goths that hung out at Disneyland were miserable. We were the happiest motherfuckers you'd ever seen. We just looked miserable. Well, it is the happiest place on earth. It is. <laughs> and uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I can't let go of this stuff, more income inequality stuff. Uh, Mother Jones, this is actually an older article. This is uh, from almost four years ago, and it hasn't gotten any better since then, which lets you know how bad things are. 
Overworked America, 12 charts that will make your blood boil. And if you looked at these charts, you do get very, very angry. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, 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 I know. It's, <laughs> but that's the problem with this stuff is now we've hit overload and there's nothing we can do about it, so we stop to care. Have we actually hit peak grump? I think we've already passed it because now I'm just tossing this out in kind of a bored way. Eh, nobody, yeah, it's like, like what we did with one password. Yeah, nobody's going to fucking listen anyway. Here's another link about it. Good oh, luck. man. I see. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's four years old. And I mean, there's just some really, you know, all the things that we've been talking about, uh, the, the work week, uh, the length of a typical work week not changing, except for the fact that you have to actually look at the fact that, sure, we're leaving the office around the same time, but we're going home and working and adding extra hours there. Uh, all of this sort of stuff, just about how we're all getting squeezed and fucked. Yeah, I mean, it's four years old, though. I'd like to see an update. Yeah. I'd, At I'd, least I'd... do some more research and like, get the update, Mother Jones. Come on. Well, let's write them. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we can write them after hours, and then somebody, some overworked employee will tell us to go fuck ourselves. <laughs> so um, yes. I wanted to chat for a second here because this has been an interesting week for me. Uh, after last week, you know, I was very sick. I was very stressed out. Yes. Um, antibiotics. Hey, this is me with a thumbs up. You can't see me right now, but I'm giving you a thumbs up through the airwaves. Now, that antibiotics are awesome. There are ways to get antibiotics that do not involve a doctor, but I'm assuming you listened to me and went to a doctor. Can we play that? Abs uh, uh, absolutely not. I did not go to a doctor. <laughs> how the hell did you get antibiotics? Uh, because there are ways to get antibiotics without going to a doctor that I won't discuss that much on this show. Right. Let's just say that uh, most of them are uh, based around veterinarians. Oh, God. You're such an idiot. Uh, the, 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 the antibiotics that you would get from a doctor will cost you $60. If you go to a vet, you get the same ones from Walmart for 12 that are exactly the same pills. The grumpy old geeks in no way endorse this sort of behavior. Absolutely not. Do not do exactly what I just did. <laughs> do not do that. But in all my 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 tinfoil hattie survivalist training, I know that the, the the pills that they give your dog are exactly the same ones that work on you. You are supposed to use this survivalist training in the event of an emergency that the rock cannot save you from. We are not at that point, so just go to the fucking doctor. See, no, well, here's the problem. I can't go to the doctor because I don't have insurance, and I can't enroll in insurance because Obamacare won't let me until November. So I had to kind of work around the system. Uh, fortunately, I am getting insurance because my day job loves me and are giving me insurance. So, but that's going to take another three weeks to get done. So what I do is I call my friend who's a vet and we figure things out and you know, okay, that's the way it works. All right. Anyway, that's not the point that I was trying to make. The point that I was trying to make is I am transitioning out of hardcore tech completely this week. Mm -hmm. And I have been uninstalling dev tools that I've had on my computer for like 10 to 15 years. Right. And it's really, it actually made me sad a little bit. To, I'm like, I, wait a minute. I don't need MySQL to start on boot on my laptop anymore. <laughs> I'm oh, my God. Leave it on anyways, just because you never know. I mean, you know, you've got the background. You could find yourself needing to do that in a week. I'm, I can't, but well, then I can just restart it on boot. But right now I'm just trying to save cycles because I'm doing so much audio editing and I right. just would like, I'm just like, wow, that's so bizarre that I don't actually have to have my sequel running all the time. I've had my sequel running on my computers for as long as, uh, OS 10 has been out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Once they went to the BSD kernel, my sequel has not stopped running on my laptop. Are you feeling liberated? Uh, yeah, actually pretty goddamn <laughs> liberated. 21 years as a hardcore dev and now i can finally turn off my sequel i feel like i'm, I'm like you know 
Just cl- it's like the end of the movie where you turn off the lights and you close the door. Yeah. And uh, then in part two, when everything falls to shit, and then you open the door back up, turn the lights back on, boot up my sequel, and get back to work. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope the sequel is a long time in coming. Let's hope so. In the news. Well, it's that time of the year again. Another big Apple whatever. Whatever. I don't know. I didn't watch it. Uh, I I really didn't follow up too much on it. Uh, a lot of people did. A lot of people said it was probably one of the worst Apple demos that have ever been done, and it felt vaguely Microsoftian. Oh, uh, no, Microsoftian. Talk about damning with faint praise. Hey, you know, people shit on Microsoft. I'm a huge fan. Anyways, uh, but yeah, they've never really kind of had the pizzazz, if you consider a guy wearing a black turtleneck pizzazz. Anyways, uh, so yeah, that all happened. I don't really know too much about it. Uh, uh, apparently, the Apple TV has sold a few people. Uh, they're very impressed with it, uh, according to my Facebook feed. And of course, all the photographers out there are jizzing in their pants over the new cameras again. Shocking. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a 12 megapixel camera in your phone. It's not bad. But yeah. uh, the, the camera that's in my 6 Plus right now is fucking great. That's why I bought the 6 Plus. So yeah. I'm not going to go buy the 6 Plus S just to get a few more megapixels. Well, uh, I'll get to that in a second, and I'll tell you why you might want to. Um, but the best thing, the best wrap-up I've read, which is just hilarious, Deadspin did, and we have a link in our show notes, uh, the layman's guide to the new iPhones and Apple's other new crap. <laughs> great, uh, I'll just read the, great title. Uh, the first sentence is even better. Earlier today, Apple Inc., a failing novelty watch interest based in California, announced a new range of products. <laughs> Uh, this is very funny. Uh, it does. It, it, it tells you everything that you need to know. It, tell, it really does. It gets you the news about everything that they actually are talking about releasing. But it's friggin' hilarious. Damn, and it, that fucking iPad is huge. And it's a thousand dollars. Oh my god! Well, actually, you know what? Here's the funny bit. I, I paid a thousand dollars for the iPad. I already have. So I know. That's a little crazy. Uh, it's a really good article. Um, but the most interesting thing that's coming out of this, uh, at least for, for us here in the U.S. And, and, you know, the various carriers that we're stuck with here, uh, because of the way the carriers are all changing their plans and they're basically not going to be subsidizing uh, your iPhones or, or your phones basically anymore, they're basically going to pass that cost on to you in a variety of ways. You can either just purchase the phones outright at normal price and not pay a monthly fee or they're going to basically give you a monthly fee that you can keep it or a different monthly fee if you want to upgrade every year or so. Uh, there, there are people that are running the math on this. And it basically, as long as you don't damage your phone, the cheapest method now out there is to buy a new iPhone every time they're released outright and then sell it in a year and then buy another one. And that's, that's always been the case, though. Always I, been the case. I don't know. I've always had, if, if I could wait two years, I always got a really good deal with Verizon, but all that stuff's gone away now. So. Yeah, but you haven't been selling your phones because everybody in Asia wants those. At least in the old days, everybody wanted the phones. So you would bait, so they would unlock them. Like you'd sell it to them, they'd unlock them, and then they'd ship them over to Asia or right. India. And that was always the best way to go. All right. Well, it seems like it's something I'm going to start doing. I don't think I'm going to get the 6S because I don't really see much of a point, and my 6 is relatively new. But uh, when the 7 comes out, that's it. I'm going to buy it outright sell off my six and i think i'm going to start following this policy at least until the finances don't work out and you know the funny part is my dad told me this that that's exactly the same math that you do with a car like when i was 19 he taught me that (laughs) and he's like okay every two years you buy a new car 
and then you sell your or you trade in your old car, then you have a new car, and then you're never having to worry about things like maintenance and stuff like that that old cars really kind of go with. And it's like, yeah, you're always going to have a car payment, but at some point you're going to make enough money where you can actually buy the car. And then yep. you don't have a car payment, you own the car, and then just every two years you trade it in and you buy the next car. Yep, so, well, that's about right to me. So I'm going to be doing that. Um, I am due for an upgrade on an iPad because I just, I'm still running a mini, the first generation mini, and I've got an iPad 3. Uh, so it's definitely time for upgrades on both of those. Apparently the iPad mini 2 is down to 270 bucks, which is a, a damn good price for it. And I don't need the new one that costs 400. So I'm going to go pick up one of those, I think. And, oh, so, uh, so you're going to stick with the mini? Uh, I use the mini. The wife likes the iPad. So I think I'm going to get the new mini and I'll get the wife the iPad Air. That's a good one. I've, I've got an Air Air 1, like the first iPad Air. Yeah. And I love it. I, I absolutely adore my iPad Air. Well, let me tell you, if you're thinking about doing the upgrade, I'll buy that one off you. Uh, no, okay. I, I'm not because this thing did cost me $1,000. It's got the Verizon uh, cell radio in it, which I use all the time. So... Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my air. It really is not like worth upgrading or doing any changes with. And yep. it is, it is, it is literally the perfect tablet for me. So I'm, I, there's no reason for me to upgrade. Yeah, I, I agree. And this is the problem with the product cycles that we're locked into because of the economics of stocks and everything like that, which I can't complain about too much. Cause again, Apple stock has made me a buttload of money over the years, but uh, <laughs> I'm good for you. It cost me a butt. We're just stuck on this cycle where they have to release things, whether it really deserves it or not. Well, it's about shareholder value. Exactly. And they're, I, I, I am a shareholder, and I'm not feeling much value right now. Uh, neither am I, but again, it's, uh, it's not really about us. It's about the other people out there that are going to be buying this crap. Yes, and you can get a new rose-colored phone and a rose-colored watch. Uh, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm actually looking forward to the, the watch update. Uh -huh. That would be nice. To have to be able to put my own photos on the on the lock screen on the phone, or I mean on the watch, but I still like my watch. I know everybody bags on it, but I, I actually like the goddamn thing. Hey, you know, you're welcome to enjoy whatever you want, Jason. It's a free country. Well, of. I I don't have to take my gigantic phone out of my pocket as much. It's great. I I, I know what to ignore. My phone or my watch talks to my phone, and then it tells me what I can ignore, which you is great. Good at ignoring things like go to the doctor. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, antivirus mogul John McAfee is going to run for president under the cyber party. I swear to God, I thought this was an Onion article. Nope. Motherfucker, <laughs> motherfucker put his papers in, he's gonna run. He's I love it. Oh, this is just... I, you know. I'm sorry, I love John McAfee. I fucking love this guy. But for, for tech people like us, this is our version of Trump throwing his hat in the ring. This is gonna be awesome. Oh, absolutely. But here's the thing. I know people who aren't into tech, but just love him. There are yeah. people that have no, like my roommate, she, she has no tech background, but she loves him because he's crazy. He is crazy. It's going to be great. He's got an Alabama address. Uh, he's got to do with the FEC filing, and he's supposed to be doing a statement, I guess, either today. It must be today. So I can't wait for this. No, absolutely. I love John McAfee, and I cannot wait for this because, honestly, we need something to counteract the Trump in the in the news cycle uh is he gonna get mainstream press on this i don't know though i don't know if he's gonna get mainstream press it, it really depends on what his statement is it could um be yeah i've already seen him on cnn msnbc cnbc uh no, i've seen him everywhere mainstream press you know like like the daily show things people actually watch 
Well, nobody watches The Daily Show anymore because Jon Stewart's gone. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> no, he's uh, this guy's gonna he's he, he gets he gets a lot of press. All right, I, I'm not well, really worried about him getting press. What I'm what I'm worried about is him winning, and I'm also worried about Trump winning. But uh, well, uh, neither of them are gonna win. Hey, we we elected Arnold Schwarzenegger to governor of California because we thought it would be funny. Okay. Well, we had Reagan before that. Uh, you, you, whatever. States are states. Uh, there's just no way for president. It can't happen. If it does, whatever. Anyways. Okay. Now, the Internet of Things. Oh, we, yes. We love the Internet of Things. Not really. That's, like, <laughs> that's, that's what we call irony. That is irony. Uh, so uh, there was a nest outage this week. Did you hear about that? I did. And, uh, you know, I'm still... I think the Nest is a beautiful product. I think that uh, they've done a very good job with it. I am exceedingly happy that I didn't spend the $400 per unit or whatever the price is at this point uh, for the three thermostats I have in my house to have it because it's not worth it. You have three thermostats in your in your apartment? Yeah. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> you could probably reach them all, like, if you put one hand on one. You could play, like, Twister and touch each one. That was the, you know, instead of doing the Nest and having the app that can get hacked into or shut down, as happened, I, I just used a selfie stick. Ah, good call, it's good call. Well, yes. So the fact that it's news now, that you cannot change the temperature with your cell phone, <laughs> says something really about our, our entire society. This was an Engadget. Yes, there was a Nest outage, and you could not check your drop cam, and you could also not change the temperature in your home without actually walking to the thermostat. Oh, my God. Oh, the humanity. I know. This is really where we're... <laughs> this is what it's fucking coming to, man. So, I mean, again, we've <laughs> talked about the Internet of Things a gazillion times, and uh, we've talked about why it's a very, very bad idea and why <laughs> why we shouldn't be doing these sorts of things yet. And i got to tell you, and I don't know if we're ever going to get back to this because it's it's not the world that we've decided to, to live in anymore. Um, if I were to do an Internet of Things, I would not be using somebody's third-party service. I would have my own server in my house that everything ran through. End of story. But uh, this is what happens. Uh, it's, it's, it's what you all no. chose, people. This is what you all chose. Yep. It's it's about the cloud. Everything must be in the cloud. Cloud, meaning other people's computers. Yep. And, uh, yes, iOS 9 and uh, Safari, ad blocking is coming, big time. Yep. Uh, advertising online industry is uh, basically done. I don't know if it's done, but it's definitely uh, people need to start figuring. This is the this is the beginning. This is like the this is the the pebble in the pond. It's an arms race now. Yeah, it really is. So I don't know. I don't know what the fuck they're thinking about building an ad blocking into. Yeah, I, I it's it, honestly I think it's stupid. Putting yeah. putting ad blocking natively in a browser is stupid. It's completely stupid. It, it should involve a little bit of effort. It should involve you having to go and install it yourself and, and understanding how it works. And uh, there should be some sort of <laughs> we've built an entire industry where nobody wants to pay for anything. And the only way that anybody ever gets paid at all is ads. And then you're just basically locked and loaded with them turned off. Awesome. I know that's it, this is it makes no sense. Honestly, yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm still scratching my head about why they're doing it. I haven't figured that out yet because it is going to. It, it it's just it it boggles the fucking mind. It does. It, it doesn't make any sense, especially since you know so many people, uh, Apple themselves rely on ad revenue in their apps and things like that. It's just, I know. Uh, yeah. 
I don't I do not understand what the theory is behind this. So if you are a listener to Grumpy Old Geeks and you have any idea why somebody would actually put this into a browser, which is supposed to just let you render HTML. That's it. That's all it's supposed to do. That's all it's supposed to do. It should not stick its dick in the fan. That's what I'm saying. But, you know, Jason, with the 20 plus years each experience, uh, as well as the, what, two years now of doing the show, um, we're looking for logic in, in a tech story. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's right. <laughs> so uh, here's something that I thought was actually really fun. Um, this comes from Naked Security. Drunken attack on a motion reading robot leaves it a little brain dead. <laughs> did you did you read this article? I did. It's very funny. I, the first line is the best. Oh, the non-humanity. <laughs> So uh, this comes from Japan, and uh, this is I, I put this in the show just to show that Americans are not the only assholes in the world because a drunken Japanese guy went and he basically beat up a French robot, <laughs> which I mean, just right there. It's come on. Yeah. Drunken Japanese man beats up French robot. That that should have been the title. It is French. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, yes, yeah, to be fair, it is French. So anyway. Yeah, it was a good story. I liked it. Uh, I just, yeah, it's what a world. <laughs> I know. I don't even know what to say anymore. I know. Okay. Okay. Yes. We kill a Canadian robot and then this Japanese guy beats up a French robot. Things yeah. are just, it, I don't, I honestly, if you had asked me a year and a half ago when we started, two years ago when we started this show, would we ever be talking about uh, drunken people beating up robots? Well, let's not forget the story that they also reference uh, in that article about the uh, the dog-like robot who animal groups uh, went up in arms over it because uh, one of the makers of it kicked it over to show how it gets back up by itself. And you can't kick a robot dog. <laughs> Fuck. What a, I don't understand. <laughs> I just don't understand. I know. I know. Things are, things are just getting so weird. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to get weirder. Yeah, there's a there's a Vanity Fair article on uh, Facebook and the two billion dollar bet on Oculus Rift. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I'm I am definitely torn on Oculus. I I want the technology to exist, but on the other hand, I know we're going to screw it up, and oh, yeah. we are just going to turn into Wally. How many? Well, first off, how many times have we danced around the VR thing? Uh, at least as long as you and I have both been in tech, there's always been a story about something coming. VR is the future. There were VR plugins for browsers, so we could start to create VR experiences online. Dead and gone. Nobody gave a crap. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, dude, I did a VRML walkthrough of the Starship Enterprise. You know. Yeah, all that stuff has been here, come and gone. Uh, will there be something that finally gets us to the place where this is all really cool? Yes. Yeah, I think we're really close to that. No, I think it'll be Magic Leap, who we talked about last week. Uh, when we get the, the little contact lenses that we can pop in. Right, but that uh, we're close. I think we're close. Within, within like two to three years, I think we're going to be pretty close to being there. Yeah, but it's not virtual reality that I'm excited about. It's augmented reality. I like the idea of, of looking around and, you know, you're walking down the street and you see like a couple shops on either side and you can, you know, click your... I don't know, dude, like, and all of a sudden your contact lenses will bring up like specials in each store that they're advertising. That kind of stuff I'm cool about. Uh, full on virtual reality where I'm just wandering around a maze and Pamela Anderson clones are offering sex to me. No, thanks. See, well, here's the thing. I mean, they're completely different beasts, totally different beasts. And I think that there is a place for both. 
AR, definitely, I'm a fan of AR. I've always wanted augmented reality. And yep. that's what, and, but the problem is like, you have to have it in something that is non conspicuous, like the contact lens, because guess what? We had a we had a run at augmented reality recently. Guess what it was called? Google Glass. Yes. And then Glass. we 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 came up with the term glass holes. And you know, it's completely different. You have to have very subtle use of augmented reality. Well, it's um, not it's not no, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think it's more the price point and it's the one percenter thing that killed Google Glass. Now, if you make it cheap enough that everybody can have it, I it can be a pair of glasses. I don't think that's the issue. Uh, uh, the issue that Google Glass and Google didn't really think about was the separation, um, uh, the separation between people who. Oh, so you're saying they're class, they're class, they're class holes. Yeah, I, I really do think that that was the main problem with the with the Google Glass. Okay, um, and it and Robert, Robert Scoble didn't do them any favors doing well, doing that picture in the shower. It doesn't do favors for anyone. Let's be honest. Oh come on, Robert's a nice guy. He's just a little misguided sometimes. Um, I, I I like Robert. Don't 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 get me wrong. There, he's he's been a friend for years. So, uh, but the the Oculus thing that's coming out, it's going to be pricey. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be very pricey. Yes. Um, but what I want is the dev kit for 2.0. That's what I want. Because what I'm, you know, I had, I was thinking about this the other night. I'm like, this could completely change, like even just the photography industry, because we're used to looking at pictures in 1D, you yeah. know? I mean, if I had like an Oculus Nikon that I could go out and shoot like, like really cool, like I could go to uh, Yosemite and start shooting pictures in 3D. And then that would be like my art, that'd be my art platform. And that would be like kind of a, that would be an iterative leap in, in something simple, as simple as photography. Right. So I'm looking at things like that and trying to figure out what the next jump is because we're starting to discard all of this old technology, you know? Yeah. Your phone's going to have a 12 megapixel, your phone's going to have a 12 megapixel camera, but is it going, when is it going to have a 3d camera? You know? Yeah. There's, there's, there's just so much stuff that's changing and I'm kind of looking forward to it because I'm tired of just being grumpy about stuff. I'm trying to look forward to like the new ways that we're going to use this stuff. I find that all very exciting as well. And I totally understand where your excitement comes from. My problem and my sticking point is still going to be great. Now I have this other really expensive toy, but I still can't figure out how to make my own living. Oh, well, you got to figure that out for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's, that's, that's not their problem. That's your problem. You got to figure that out on your own. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It is a problem. I, 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 yes, I sort of agree with that, but also, I mean, we talk about things like ad blockers are coming in, so we're ruining that path to revenue. Uh, sure, you you might be getting a 3D camera, and you might be able to take these great photos that you can then look at in in 3D reality with your uh, with your Oculus Rift. But those photos will be you know stolen or put up for free or whatever, and you're not going to make any money off of them. So there you go. Well, that's why you have to figure out how to get your own revenue out of it. Yeah, um, you can't do that yourself because it's an entire system that's built around it that you can't. Anyways, actually, that system doesn't exist yet. So you can go build that system. Trust me, dude, there are ways to make money on this stuff. Uh, Now, let's talk about uh, something a little different. Uh, (laughs) I love this title for uh, this article, The Red Web. In Putin's Russia, Internet watches you, (laughs) which is actually very true. Yeah, it is. And (laughs) it's always been the great irony that that's where Edward Snowden basically went and holed up at. I know that's the, that's, yeah, that's crazy. And Russia is the worst country in the world for this stuff. And he's still there and his time is running out. Yeah. 
that that's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking maybe we should Kickstarter, you know, uh, hardensnowden.com. <laughs> not yeah. going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah. No, um, you Kickstarter it, the U.S. Internet going to watch you, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, yeah, see, that's that's the irony. In Putin's Russia, Internet watches you. Yes. Uh, guess what? In every country, Internet watches you. That's NSA true. watches you everywhere. <laughs> so uh, but I, that was just a run in because Russia just blocked Pornhub. Um, oh, oh. If you if you want to if you want to find out what is going to make a make a population rise up and have a uh, another red October, start <laughs> taking away their porn, dude. Start taking away their porn. And that, again, that's, the irony that most of the girls on there are probably Russian. Exactly. So uh, I think Putin may have stepped on his Putin <laughs> with that one. <laughs> uh, it's not going to be good for them. Yeah. Never take away. Ne- never take away somebody's porn. Ever. <laughs> Who knew that <laughs> would be the path to freedom? Porn is the path to freedom. That's that's there's our title. <laughs> uh, an interesting one I saw today, though, was a Japan's centenarian population has hit a record of 60,000 people who are over the age of 100 years old. That is a lot. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, so I have 56 years to get there. I'm only 44 now. But yeah. uh, I well, if I don't go to the doctor, I probably have 5.6. Okay. But yeah, 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 there's that. Um. But I just thought this, I just threw this in because I thought it was amazing. You know, they always have those documentaries about how many, you know, Japanese people are living to be over 100. But I had no idea that it was 60,000 people that are over 100 years old. It is a really interesting thing. And I'm, I'm, I'd be curious to know if there are studies out there that say why the Japanese life expectancy is so good. Because there, you hear so many contradictory things about their culture. I mean, on the one hand, we know that, you know, they eat very healthy uh, exercises at a premium. But on the other hand, all you, all you hear the stories about the like rampant stress and, you know, 90 hour work weeks. And then as soon as they get off work, all they do is go to a bar and drink until they pass out in the street. That can't be healthy. No, there's a lot of survivorship bias that goes on with those studies. And yeah. I think this it, it, now is a really good time. I mean, yes, there have been studies on all the centenarians that are out there in Japan. And a lot of it does go back to, eating fish which nowadays nowadays is not this not the, there's there's no fish left and it, they're all filled with mercury um or radiation if you're in japan that too yes <laughs> uh you want to get it from the west side of the island not the east side let's just say that um <laughs> oh shit that reminds me i'm going there oh yes you are make Fun. sure you one of bonner's little uh geiger counters with you uh yeah actually yeah no he gave me some really good advice about japan the other night i'll talk about that in the closing but uh yeah i i'm just i'm amazed that there are sixty thousand people that are over 100 years old i want to i want to have every one of those people do a podcast and just or, or at least tell their stories because these people were born in 1915 i know pretty crazy right? isn't that insane they've lived through the first world war the second world war the korean war everything i mean just everything since 1915 it's nuts well, basically, they went from not having power to having an iPad Air. Security? Ha! Apple and other tech companies are going against the government right now over the data in your phone. Everybody except for AT&T. Of course, because they like to hand everything over to the government. Uh, um, but yes, you know, they've been talking for a while now about how it, like built-in encryption is going to become a problem for law enforcement, and it has. 
Yep. Uh, uh, here's here's what I say. Tough shit. Yeah. I, you know, I, half of me says tough shit. The other half says, okay, well, if they're bad guys, they're bad guys, but figure out how to get around it. That's your job. That's true. I mean, yeah, there's a certain amount of that. But on the flip side, it's just, it's so cheap now. It's so cheap to to you know, basically get around the system. It's so cheap to pick up a phone that can have encryption. Uh, and it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's some scary stuff when you think about what, what, uh, you know, some terrorist cell could do now. And there needs to be some sort of way to, to get through if there's very specific knowledge, if there are, you know, warrants and, and judges have signed off on this, I would like to, you know, have certain things be able to get into or be turned over to government agencies. Can't uh, do it. Can't do it. That's the problem. I know. That's that, the problem. that is the problem. It, it, it's one or the other. I know. It can't be both. Yep. Because if, if, if there is a back door, somebody else will find the back door. So yeah. that's why it needs to be completely encrypted end to end. And that's why we've talked about, uh, uh, what, two dozen times <laughs> why the, the entire government's argument is wrong about yeah. encryption. It's like you cannot have a back door. It's either encrypted or it's not. That's it. Yeah, they can't. It can't be both. And uh, I found this one from Boing Boing, which is kind of kind of scary. California legislature wants to mandate radio readable driver's licenses. Yep. Readable from about 30 feet away. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. What could go wrong there? Not down with that. And again, it's always it's always done with the best intentions. And I can see the thought behind this and and why they think it's good. The problem is we don't. uh, we don't really know how the government is using our information, what they're doing with it. And we also know that uh, for the low price of about three to four hundred dollars, probably anybody can pick up a piece of equipment that can then do the same thing that the government is doing and then track you and kill you. Three to four hundred dollars. Try about thirty to forty dollars. Oh, that's true. These are actually just. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's, just yeah. A, it's, a, it's an ARFID reader and a couple other things. But here's the here's the thing. I, I, I go by a couple uh different intersections when I'm going down Ventura Boulevard here in the valley, the lovely valley in Van Nuys. There are bicycle cops now who yeah. will sit there and wait at the red light looking for people on their cell phones and they will roll up on them, give them a $250 ticket. <laughs> How easy would it be for them to just sit there, take a picture of the person in the car talking on their cell phone and just yeah. email them a ticket yeah. if, they, if, they, if they can read your license at that point? Yeah, that's that's when it starts to uh, spread out and become very problematic. If you're speeding, if you're if you're speeding and there's just an automatic camera that can read your driver's license because then it knows it that's that you that, that it's you in the car. But yeah. what if you're a passenger? So who do they know? You know, there, there's so many problems with this. It's just like, no, there's so many problems. So if you live in California that we're going to have a list of uh, your legislatures in the in the show notes that you should call you know, and the- say no. The funny thing about this, though, is, and we talked about uh, the insurance agencies wanting to use the Internet of Things uh, to be able to track you better in the guise of, then you'll pay less if you're a good person and you're doing the right things. Um, we will get mad about the government trying to do this, and I'm going to call, certainly, and, and tell them that I don't want this sort of legislation. Uh, but what we're going to end up doing is basically handing it over anyways uh, to private agencies like insurance companies. and. We're all going to get screwed, anyways. So we'll we'll block this now. But uh, when when State Farm goes, well, we want to put this chip on you so we can tell when you're driving around, and you know, as long as you stay under the speed limit and you drive safely, we're going to lower your premiums. But if you go over, then we're going to charge you more, and we'll go. Okay, they already do that, dude. 
They already do that. You can get something. I think it's from Geico uh, that you basically plug into your car. And if you're a good driver, your your premiums will go down. And that's my exact point. So yeah. Very mad about the government. But then at the same exact time, we're turning around and handing it over to private agencies. Yeah, there's absolutely no way I would ever get one of those. And if you get one of those, you're an idiot. Honestly, yes, you're an idiot. Because if you loan your car to somebody, my car is out with somebody else today. I'm not driving my car, but my car is is rambling around Southern California. And, you know, she drives like a maniac. <laughs> so my premiums would go up. Yeah. So if you had a drone with a license plate on it, you'd never let her borrow that. <laughs> Why are you so stuck on the drone and the license plate thing? I don't know. It's stuck in my craw, and I've had arguments about it with other people all week. So. Here's the deal. I can't build a car that is road legal from the hobby store in my living room. I can go build a drone that is that has no license plate from spare parts from Hobby Lobby, you know, and in yeah. no time flat. It's, it's a different beast. I will send you a kit that lets you build a road legal card. I mean, I, I'll send you a link to it. I'm not going to buy it for you because it's still like <laughs> grand. But <laughs> OK, anyway, right. anyways, moving on. On, uh, I found an article on Slate uh, in their future tense section that goes a little bit more in depth into a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, about how the NSA basically exploits uh, or finds and keeps and tracks and does not tell anyone about zero day vulnerabilities uh, because they want to use it to get more information about us and surveil people. Um, and it's uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation has basically obtained a bunch more information about this and is going to hopefully fight them because this is some bullshit right here. Well, that, that's we've also mentioned that before because you you have Homeland Security who is trying to actively block O'Day exploits, and you yep. have the NSA who's trying to find and buy O'Day exploits from everybody else. They're fighting against each other. Yes, the the two sides of government are fighting against each other and doing the exact opposite approaches. So it's good times. Yeah, <laughs> ton of fun. Uh, so Jacob Applebaum. Yes. I've talked about him on the show, I think, a couple times. I yeah. used to know him back in the old days, <laughs> going back to the porn days. Uh, he used to work for kink.com. And before that, I knew him as just a hacker, like around San Francisco. We hung out in the same circles. Um, and then he got a job as a uh, WikiLeaks spokesperson. And now his life is basically ruined. Yeah. But he, um, I, I originally met him because he was a photographer. Mm -hmm. And uh, after his dad was murdered... He went on a vacation to Iraq during the Iraq war. Wow. I'm telling you, he's an interesting dude. Yeah. Uh, so he's got a new art show coming out where he uh, has taken photos of a lot of the people we talk about on the show. Uh, Snowden or not Snowden. Um, Laura Poitras, William Binney, um, Ai Weiwei, who I, I love Ai Weiwei. He's amazing. Um, uh, Glenn Greenwald, Julian Assange. It's a really interesting show, and uh, a lot of the photos are on the link that will be in our show notes. Glenn Poitra, or uh, Glenn Greenwald and uh, his, his man friend, uh, David Miranda. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really cool. He was always a pretty decent photographer, but I got to say, his shot of Ai Weiwei is amazing. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, so check that out for sure, and uh, you should follow him on, uh, on Twitter as well. I will put that in the show notes. Excellent. Comment of the week. Big thanks to Mike Krimmer for his PayPal donation this week. Thank you very, very much. Woohoo, thank you. And another thank you to Kyle Roderick for upping his pledge on Patreon because he's a stand-up guy who also loves cold pizza as much as I do. Thank you, Kyle. That's awesome. We appreciate it. And I could use some cold pizza. I'm hungry. Mmm. 
Mm. Uh, we got an iTunes five-star review uh, from Sean Rafferty. A gem in a sea littered with sameness. Uh, a little poetic. Came across the show and found myself liking it more every time I hear a different episode. I am not a tech geek, but I thoroughly enjoy the content and the dynamic relationship between the hosts, Jason and Brian. Very educational, entertaining, and unique. We're dynamic, Jason. We are the dynamic duo. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> You're Robin. Eh, fuck you. Thank you, Sean, very much. Okay, yes. we got another one from Patrick. You want to talk about this one? Uh, sure. Friend of the show, uh, Patrick, and 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 friend of mine in real life, uh, wrote in about our Mr. Robot talk. Uh, he basically pretty much agreed with us about it being kind of eh as a whole with some social commentary that was kind of interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he, it's very long, so we're not going to read it all. But, yeah, the whole Mr. Robot thing was, uh, I think we talked about it at great length. And I think uh, most of the people that I've talked to offline have kind of agreed with with our take on it. And uh, I think we're all just going to kind of sit around and see what they're going to do for uh, season two and where they're going to take it. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, I don't know, man. I really don't know. See, the, the more that Mr. Robot has sat with me, the, the less I like it, actually. That's actually, it's exactly what I was thinking, too. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was, I was intrigued. I was into it. Uh, I went all the way through it. Then I was like, eh, I'm not so sure. And now what a week and a half later, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't like it that much, I guess. <laughs> I know. It's just one of those things where it was just like, really, it was, it was a breath of fresh air to have something so fight clubby. Well, and also- then, and then it's just, it's like, oh, well it was fight clubby because it was fight club was fight club and and the other thing that i said i think still holds true too I, I think the reason that it captured so many of us that are of this particular bent is this is one of the first things that's come out that's just been so targeted directly at at us and how can you not be into that because you know it's thank god it's not just another stupid you know housewives show and it's not another taylor swift album this is this is us this is our people but then it just wasn't that good yep pretty much we also got a really long note from our friend Gary Inman on our Patreon page. Uh, I'm just going to do the questions here because it's, uh, it's, it's a bit long. But if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can go check it out. Uh, first question, wasn't Jason going to start giving away his closet full of gadgets he either never used or no longer uses? I think I won the only giveaway. I don't know if you actually get more Patreon subscribers as a result, but I would love to see you guys make your milestones. I'd use words words like the more revenue streams you have, the better. But then you might think I'm listening to Pat Flynn or something. <laughs> Here's the deal. Uh, yes, you did win the one and only Patreon giveaway, or the only giveaway that we ever did. It ended up costing me more to ship the the thing that I sent you than we made that entire month. <laughs> this was back when we were just doing uh, PayPal subscribe or PayPal donations. So yeah. yes, I'm just like. Yeah, I've got a bunch of stuff to give away, but unless it includes shipping and handling, it really is a, a non-starter. So I ended up just giving a bunch of stuff away. That is the problem with the the physical items. Um, one of the things that I think that uh, we're going to do, and Jason and I have talked about it briefly, um, isn't so much uh, uh, giveaways or anything like that. Unless there are any of you companies out there that would like to donate us stuff to give away, that would be pretty awesome. Uh, we're going to finally get on with some of those write-ups like i'm i'm back working on the dune thing and we'll talk about some of the sci-fi things and i I think we'll post those only on patreon i think that's a good way to go we'll see okay now we have another question from him Hmm? why the fuck is the name podcast still used i'm sure it's an apple invented name for their ipods but it's such an unappealing name 
I don't hear Netflix casts used anywhere. It's all just fallen under the umbrella of video on demand. Yeah, that's not the best name either, but at least it's obvious to grandma and grandpa what it might be. I don't think it's that obvious. Uh, Here's the deal. Ben Hammersley from The Guardian is the one that actually came up with the term podcasting way back in 2004. And sadly, it's stuck. Uh, We have terms like blog. Who came up with blog? I mean, yes, it's a concatenation of web and log and weblog and then became blog. So yeah, now we have podcasts. Horrible, so Horrible, horrible abortion, the vlog. Yes, and then we have the vlog. Uh, yeah, it's just, dude. <laughs> They're called podcasts. Everybody calls them podcasts. Uh, it's a way of differentiating from, say, some sort of other stream. Uh, I like calling them podcarts because I think it's funny. Uh, well, you can go with the, uh, the Leo Laporte netcasts you love. <laughs> An idiot. <laughs> uh, uh, bonus question. You have some opportunity to make some real money doing this podcast. Have you thought about making guest appearances on other podcasts or sort of cross promotion? I don't know crap about how everything really works in that world, but it seems like tons of podcasters interview each other within the same general topics. Just a thought. When I see how much money the angry chicken is pulling in from Patreon, it just baffles me. Keep up the good work and do more shows while you're drinking beer. I love it when Brian starts to slur towards the end of the show. <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so uh, quick uh, quick run on the dynamics of doing cross-promotion and podcasting appearances. We have done that. I've been on a ton of other shows. Brian has just not gotten off his ass and gone anywhere but because he's slurring at the end of the show. But it does not give us any ROI whatsoever. And that's the main reason I haven't done it. Uh, Jason went out and, and uh, you know, bravely went where no man is, no grumpy old geek has gone before. He's done, he's done a ton of shows. Uh, we really didn't get much of a bump from it. I'm, I'm happy to go on other shows and do them. It's just, uh, nobody's really approached me and, and there's not much of an ROI on it as Jason said. So. Yeah. I just, I just love doing podcasts. That's why I'm in this, in this game right now. And I love going on other people's shows and I love talking to my friends because every show that I've gone on is basically a friend's show. And we have gotten a little bit of a bump, but it never sticks because maybe our show just isn't that good. Who the fuck knows? But (laughs) honestly, we've had people like Tim Ferriss on who has tweeted out to his 500,000 followers and we get uh, a little bit of a bump. But for the most part, every time we have a guest on the show, our numbers go down, not up. So that's why we stopped doing it. I, we're not against having guests. It just hasn't really worked out. And, and you know, as Jason said, it hasn't really helped us. And, and people just seem to like listening to us fight with each other. Yeah, that's pretty much it. People people just like us bitching at each other. Yeah. So Okay, Robin, you want to take us out of this uh, segment? Uh, dude, you, you're so Robin. Uh, we appreciate all your comments. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we're at Twitter at twitter.com slash GOG podcast. You can write us on Facebook, but honestly, that gets so lost in the UI mess that is Facebook that we'll probably never see it. Uh, grumpyoldgeeks.com. You can talk to us there. Uh, please do go to iTunes, uh, grumpyoldgeeks.com slash iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and a comment. We do appreciate it. The absolute best thing that you could do is please tell a friend because you know, nothing else is really working for us and we need more listeners. And of course our patreon.com slash GOG where you can donate us money and uh, try to enter into giveaways where we won't actually send anything out. (laughs) Yes. And, and Brian needs beer money so he can start slurring more. I know I'm just, it's all water today, guys pay up. At the library. Well, (laughs) We've been teasing over success for a while, healing the American obsession with wealth, fame, power, and perfection by Jim Rubens because it seemed such a good concept. 
and so in line with so many things that we talk about and agree about and rail about about our society right now and everything that we're doing. And I do agree with almost everything that he wrote in the book, but I hate this book. It's a horrible <laughs> read. Why? I can't stand his writing. I can't. Once I, I knew nothing about him going in, finding out that he was a multi-gazillionaire politician was really frustrating to me because it's kind of like, do as I say, not as I do. That's, um, see, that's exactly where I stopped reading. Yeah. That's exactly where I stopped reading. He's like, yeah, I'm a multimillionaire and I was elected to Senate and all this other shit. And I'm just like, oh, and you're going to talk about the problems of success. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go die in a fire. Yeah. Honestly, go die in a fire. I, I Again, I, I this is a definitely a case of uh, shoot the messenger, not the message. I like the message. I can't stand him. I hate the over-success with the capital O and the capital S the entire way through as he's basically trying to brand the term. TM. Yes, and I wanted to stop reading basically, uh, I think about 55 pages in or so when he says uh, this. As a non-scientist, I can reach across knowledge gaps without wrecking my grant-getting ability the way professionals would, but I will distinguish fact from speculation so that you can draw your own conclusions. So you're smarter than scientists? Fuck you. Fuck you. And don't even try to pretend and you're uh, all you do throughout all he did throughout this entire thing is is bring up scientist studies and then give his own speculation drawn from next to nothing about it. Uh, and that I found annoying. I uh, I hated this book. I know. I it is so sad too because I I found him on the Art of Manliness podcast episode number 128 The Perils of Oversuccess with Jim Rubens and I thought he came off pretty well. And right. that's what really got me into wanting to read this book. But honestly, as soon as I found out his background, that that was he's a politician and a non-scientist. Yeah. Uh, I just put it down. Honestly, yeah. I put it down. It's written as if it, you know, this was a scientific study and there were real insights into it. And all it felt like a college paper where you just cut and paste from different studies and then you write a sentence at the end of every cut and paste about what you think about it. And I can't stand that. I can't stand books that do that. There was no, oh, so frustrated. Yeah, it it, it, it sucks. I really wanted this book to be good. Maybe we should just, hey, let's crowdfund uh, uh, our, our, our version of this book. <laughs> Grumpy old geeks over success. Stop fucking working so hard, you idiots. Oh, wait, we, we haven't actually had success yet, so we can't actually do it. No, but that's our exact point. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he, you know, he did all these things and now he's telling us that we shouldn't. Well, we've never done it. <laughs> yeah. As he's, as he's, you know, <laughs> bathing in his pool of money. Well, that, I mean, so many anecdotes about how, <laughs> how he's living all these, he's doing all these wonderful things, but sitting there wondering, isn't there something more? I know that's see, honestly, I, I know this is this is just it's wrong for me to think this way because I deal with people like this every day. But this guy just really did not come across in the book as yep. somebody who is likable. No, no, he comes off as generally unlikable. And I, that's why I had problem reading it, because so much of it uh, outside of the cutting and pasting, once it's in his own voice, I don't like him. Yeah. If you don't like him, then it's really hard to read the book. So this would be a grumpy old geeks pass. 
Yeah, this is definitely a pass. And in fact, I can tell you what you should read instead, and it's free, and it gets the point across so much better and so quickly. And we've been holding on to this article for a while because I, I thought that we'd be talking in great detail about over-success, and this would be the, the denouement, as it were, of that discussion. Would that be denouement? 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 I, I don't do French. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Fucking it's German. Not- the, the overview is on Business Insider. Uh, it's titled, It's Not Worth It. Ad Exec's brutal rant before he died of cancer is absolutely chilling. There is a link to the actual blog he wrote himself. This is uh, by Linz Redding. He's a New Zealand-based art director who worked at BBDO, Saatchi and Saatchi. All names that are very familiar to any of us that have worked in this field for a long time. Yeah, and this is an old article. It came out in 2012. Article. Yes. Uh, he kept a blog. And a, a, after his death, an essay he wrote about the ad business, A Short Lesson in Perspective, uh, was published, and it is worth the read. And this tells you basically, he just rails going, what the hell was I doing with my life? Yeah, and I, you know, after working in the ad business, it's, it's insane because I really like connected with this. this. This is why I left working in the ad business. So there's um, a couple little lines here that, uh, you know, this has come as quite a shock, I can tell you. I think I've come to the conclusion that the whole thing was a bit of a con, a sham, an elaborate hoax. Countless late nights and weekends, holidays, birthdays, school recitals, anniversary dinners, willingly sacrificed at the altar of some intangible but infinitely worthy higher cause. Uh, this is a great read, and I love the end. Uh, so was it worth it? Well, of course not. It turns out it was just advertising. There was no higher calling. Yeah, no, it's it, it's insane. It it is one of the worst businesses you could possibly work in, yep. and well, uh, I, I I probably have just lost my last advertising client right now. But yeah, no, I, dude, that single blog entry uh, is what is a thousand times better than the entire over success book, which is ten thousand times longer. So yeah. just that, if you want to get the point and uh, go live your life and do something fun. Yeah, honestly. And it's funny because, uh, you know, just talking about the ad agency business and all that stuff, I did a job for an agency about uh, six months ago, and I felt so bad about the client that we had that I gave all of the money that I earned on that job away. <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I could not actually spend that money because I felt so terrible about, about who the client was. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I've always been, I, and I'm very thankful for this. I've always been very lucky to, to, you know, even in lean times, I'm, I'm getting by okay. Um, I, I have said no to jobs that would have made me a lot of money just because I, I knew I couldn't do it. I just couldn't stomach it. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I rationalized it when it was happening by saying somebody else is going to take the money if I don't. <laughs> That's true. But and, and it, it is true. Somebody was going to get that money. And I'm like, well, I'll take the money. And then I, I, I honestly gave it all away. Yeah. I'm like, I cannot spend this money because you're you are such a detestable, <laughs> detestable organization that I will not spend the money that you give me. Well, well look at you. Somebody somebody actually profited very well off of it. So it's it's very good. And I got to charge time and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get back to some more fun stuff. I read Old Man's War by John Scalzi. All right amazing book amazing it is hard sci-fi i love like in the like in the old i i i swear when i started reading this book i did not know much about john scalzi i had read lock-in the near future novel that he'd recently written which i thought was great um but i didn't know much about him he's only 46 so he's like you know a contemporary of ours Mm -hmm. this could have been written like in the 50s right and and i love like you know sci-fi like that there's there's good 
There's good science in it. There's good just everything about it. Power dynamics, the way that things work. I I, I seriously loved this book. And I'm, I'm super excited because I can't believe I said super excited. <laughs> I feel like a valley girl. Um, There's six books in this series, so I have five to go. I'm nice. really looking forward to this. Very cool. Uh, I've had lock-in actually on, in my list to read for a long time because I've had recommendations uh, from numerous people about that book. Uh, I have not read any Scalzi yet, so if I wouldn't have wasted so much time on Oversuccess uh, this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry about that, dude. <laughs> I'm still working my way through the X series by Peter Kleins, which uh, I'll be through X Communication uh, by next week's show. Uh, Scalzi is definitely going to be up to bat after that. So. Oh yeah, totally. And yeah, and you got to get you got to get through the X series. Those are all really good. Oh yeah, no, I'm super happy about that. In fact, I think that was part of the reason I was cranky about having to read over success is I didn't want to be reading it. I wanted to be reading excommunication. So. <laughs> or get on to Terry Pratchett or get on to Chris Moore or anything yeah, that's I, not the steaming pile of shit. I have a plethora of books that I want to be reading right now. So I'm, I'm glad that we've cleared out over success and I don't have to bother finishing that pile. Yeah. Delete with extreme prejudice. Exactly. Um, I read all my books. Well, 90 I'd say 99% of books now uh, through the Kindle app on my iPad. Uh, you listen to your books. but No, uh, no, 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 not all of them. Not all of them. Uh, it's very rare for me to actually get hardcover books anymore. When I do get them, I like the sensation, but it's kind of like an antiquated thing. It's, it's kind of like sitting around, a, sitting around a fireplace instead of just using your central, central air. Um, it feels good, but it's not my day-to-day -day existence anymore. Unfortunately, uh, according to Lefsitz, he makes a second appearance this time. Uh, oh, he talked about ebook sales and how they're tanking because of the new Amazon contracts that allow publishers to set their pricing. And uh, now people are it, and I kind of ebooks never really caught on, um, but you know, books in general just don't really catch on. But uh, he's saying that the model is definitely in trouble right now, and that uh, ebook sales are plummeting, which is not good. No, it's not good. Um, I, I, I actually am partly to blame, I think, for this because I used to buy ebooks all the damn time. And uh, now, since, since I have a job where people send me books every day, yeah. I, I go out my front door and I have books in front of me every day. I have a, I have a stack waist high of yeah. books that I have to read that are hardcover and galleys, and, I, and the rest of them come through NetGalley. Yeah. I read a lot of books. And and none of them are that none of them are audiobooks that I have to do for my day job. So that's why I was saying it's like it's, it's half and half now. For fun, I listen to books, but I read books. But I I can see how this happens because when I go to Amazon, mm -hmm. if that book costs is just as much as a hardcover, yeah, I'm gonna buy the hardcover because then I can give it to somebody when I'm done. Yeah, it makes I'm, no sense. I'm not gonna buy an ebook that costs the same as a hardcover because that's just I mean, just if you even think about the straight up economics of it, that's ridiculous. There's no shipping costs, there's no printing, you didn't have to cut down any trees. Give me a fucking break. It has yeah. to be cheaper. So these publishers that are trying to up the prices and make them on keel with a hardcover on release, uh, screw you. It's that's bullshit, yeah. You're hurting yourself there because I'm not gonna do it either. Um, but on the same track, I don't like the I, I hate the, the uh, subscription model for books. That's bullshit too. What like, do you mean the subscription model for books? Well, so many people, Amazon tried to push one. There was that those companies that we talked about ages oh, ago. Oh, Oyster and those guys? All that, screw that too. I'm not paying $9.99 for all-you-can-eat books when you can't even get all the publishers on board. Half the authors I like aren't in there. The books come later. I, the uh, subscription model is not the way to go for readers. It just isn't. No. So keep the prices reasonable and we'll buy them. Yeah, because I like supporting my authors. 
Honestly, I would rather walk to their house, give them 20 bucks and say, give me the book instead of giving it to a goddamn publisher. You know, it's like, honestly, that's why I kind of like the self-publishing model on Amazon because the money goes straight to the author. I like that too. It's just, uh, we get into that same problem that we have with self-publishing and music, which is there's no gatekeeper. It's hard to tell what's good and what isn't. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a problem. It it worked out pretty well for uh, what Hugh Howie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's an outlier. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely an outlier. A really, really good writer that just never got a publishing deal and did it himself. So, yeah. Uh, but those were all great. And speaking of outliers, uh, I'm an outlier. And listen up, publishing companies. Uh, I will always buy the ebook first, and I will read it. And guess what? If it's an author I really love and a book I really love, not only did I buy the the uh, ebook, I will then go out and get the hardcover and add it to my personal collection. So you're making double sales. Just keep the prices low on the ebooks. Yeah, honestly, I'd, same same here. I do exactly the same thing. I bought twice as, and I, I would originally buy the ebook and then start to read it and realize I didn't have enough time. So then I'd go buy the Audible version, and I I multiply buy these things. So just keep them cheap. Yeah, yeah, just keep it cheap, and you can have the old music model where you know we bought the CD, then we bought the CD single, and then we also got it on this, and then we got it on that, and then we got it on iTunes, and then we then we went back and were hipsters and bought it on vinyl. Well, not I don't have a beard. I don't do that sort of thing. Software, apps, and gadgets. I've gone back to a new app that uh, is actually an old app. It's called Mailplane. I remember you talking about this. Yeah, it it's kind of a wrapper for multiple tabbed versions of Gmail. Okay. Because I also went to a new app called Boomerang. <laughs> and Boomerang lets you send email back to yourself if somebody hasn't replied or anything like that in, in X amount of days or just remind me about this in X amount of days. Because in my job now, I'm talking to a lot of people and I need to get reminded about things. And Boomerang is awesome, completely worth the money. Mailplane is so fast now. It used to suck. That's why I quit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a a ram hog. Now it is is amazingly fast, lightning fast, 29 bucks. And if you use multiple Gmail accounts, it is the best in the business. Got us hands down. And so check out Mailplane and Boomerang. We'll have uh, links in the show notes, but I am loving both of those. And then also, I don't have to use MailApp anymore, which <laughs> is the biggest piece of shit that Apple has ever crapped out next to iTunes. Yeah, after iTunes. Yeah, iTunes is definitely the biggest turd of the bunch. But uh, you know what's not a turd, though? What? My Herman Miller Mira 2 chair. Oh, so you did listen to me. This thing cost cost so much money. <laughs> it's a it's a very expensive chair, but uh, you sit your ass on it an awful lot, and it is comfortable as all hell. This is the best chair I have ever owned, and I'm glad that you agree. It was really hard for me to buy this thing because it was a lot. Of, I'm going to be paying this off for months because yep. I, I put it on my Amex, and I just got to pay it off. But here's the thing: I do sit anywhere from eight to fourteen hours a day, and yep. the the eighty dollar. 10-year-old chair from Staples that I had was making me hunch over, cramp my guts up. This thing is so adjustable, so nice. Just the mesh seat alone where I can put a fan underneath and keep my butt cool, that is great. Way too much information about how you're using your chair, but uh, I'm glad that you like it. So I've had really two great recommendations in a row, the headphones and the chair. And I talked to a couple people who also bought the headphones from uh, the show. One would be Sean Bonner. And the other would be MXV. And they both agree the headphones are amazing. Yep. 
And so, so it's this chair. So if you're in the market for a chair, if you're if you're using anything from Office Depot, throw it in the trash immediately. Immediately. Get even, rid of it. Even if you've got an old uh, Herman Miller, what are the, the Aeron, which is what I had before. I gave that to my parents. This is a step up in comfort and technology. And uh, also, like, if you're doing any sort of audio whatsoever, you can slide around on this thing. It makes zero noise. Well, I'm on the carpet, so that doesn't really help. But, <laughs> yeah, it... Uh, <laughs> It is an amazing chair. It is very versatile. And and I do have, I'm going to do this right now. Click. Slide. I slid my armrest down because when I'm doing editing, I don't want the armrest up, but you can just pull them right back up. Lumbar support's great. Everything about this chair that's adjustable, I completely love everything. So yeah, it's, it's a great chair. So if you want to buy it, please do use the link in our show notes so we can get some beer money off of it. <laughs> you can get some beer money. I ain't getting shit. I'll split it with you if other people buy it. Okay. Um, Calby Mundy, friend of the show, wrote in and gave us circuitscribe.com, which I'd never seen before, but is so cool. It's basically a pen where you can write circuits. Yeah, very cool. I, is this I, thing that cool? I hope friends of the show like uh, Tara at GitHub has uh, seen this because this is right up her alley. I know. This is, this is a, an amazing little thing. I mean, granted, I kind of wanted to get into the hardware hacking side of things, yeah. And I got the, you know, I got the uh, whatever kit, the Arduino quit kit and all that stuff. It's sit, sitting in the closet. Yeah. I'm not going to do hardware hacking. I'm not going to do software hacking. I am not hacking anymore. No longer hacking. You're only podcarding. I am. Podcarding? I just like that term. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, but definitely, if you're into this kind of stuff, check it out because it is, it is super neat. It is really cool. This is actually the kind of thing that would get me into maybe messing around with it, but uh, I know I won't. So. <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh, I found another uh, cool article from Ars Technica. Canon unveils 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 a 250 megapixel prototype. Oh my god, nineteen thousand five hundred and eighty by twelve thousand six hundred mm-hmm. is the is the resolution on this thing. All right, talk about crazy. Yeah, uh, the government's going to mount some of these to uh, some planes that fly overhead. iPhone seven. I'm just saying, I'm just saying iPhone seven. I'm thinking maybe probably not, Uh, but that is stunning. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to do a little follow up on the Logitech MX master wireless mouse. The Darth Vader one. Yeah. The Darth Vader one. Uh, I've not used it once. (laughs) I try, I tried like for like 10 minutes. Honestly, the Apple, just the simple basic magic mouse is yep. the best mouse for doing audio editing that I've ever had. Yeah. And why why should I upgrade? So CGP Grey, go suck it. <laughs> you know, it's 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 incredibly specialized. And I can see if you put in the time uh, to to really get used to it, just like uh, in the old days using a Pro Tools keyboard over a regular keyboard, um, I could see how you could get up to speed on it. But you're so ingrained with Apple and you can do everything that you can do just using gestures and things like that. that yeah, can- the gestures are what are what makes this mouse so special. Yeah. And so why would I use a, a mechanical scroll wheel that I can't change the direction on? That's the problem. See, if that's I could a- change the direction on it, it would be different. But I have to learn something new to scroll sideways. I'm like, why would I do that? Yeah, that's a big flaw with their design. I, I don't understand why they didn't uh, take that into account. Yeah, I'm just annoyed I threw the packaging away. <laughs> I can't return it. So. Maybe hey, maybe that'll be in our next giveaway. Put that on our Patreon giveaway. You just have to give us enough to cover the shipping and handling, too. 
Media Candy. Now, I'm on the fence about this one, but Train Spotting 2 has been announced as Danny Boyle's next project. Uh, have you read the book that is the follow-up? No. Did you? Yes. Any good? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> the book was good, but I am still with you on being on the fence about uh, seeing this movie with the actors. I'm assuming he's going to be using mostly the same cast. Same cast. Original cast. Yeah, I don't know. I love the dude. I, Train Spotting is in my top ten movies of all time. So I love the original, and the soundtrack is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. I yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I, I, healthy skepticism going into this. We'll see. Yeah, that's that's kind of it. You know, it's uh, kind of a uh, you know we were all waiting for dumb dumber and dumberer, and it sucked. So. Well, I, w- I was not waiting for that because I never watched the original. So what? Dude. I never watched Dumb and Dumber. It is fucking hilarious i never saw was it anchorman or any of that crap i don't watch dumb movies like that oh man you're missing out i also don't watch sitcoms i've never seen a full episode of friends well you're not missing much there (laughs) okay good um sitcoms you're missing out on on a big part of life jason uh no i'm actually going out and having a life or trying to okay well back then i was at least at least now maybe not so much the only sitcom i watched soup to nuts all the way through was newsroom because i thought that was genius it's not a sitcom that was a drama uh newsroom a dramedy i wouldn't call it a sitcom with like modern family hang on let's see if we're talking about the same show here talking about the oh yeah no 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 uh not new not not the hbo one um fuck what's it called hang on i'm gonna stop this for a second Okay. Okay. Not newsroom. I was talking about news radio. Slightly different. Completely different. This is the sitcom that ran from 95 to 99. And that was a very good one. And yes, that is a sitcom. Yes. It had Dave Foley and Steven Root, two of my favorite people. So you're, you're missing out on a lot of things here, Jason. I'm just saying you're, you're missing out on some chuckles, some guffaws, some, some general happiness. (laughs) Chuckles and guffaws. Yeah. Chuckles and guffaws. You know, what does not have any chuckles and guffaws? Black mirror. Oh, Black Mirror. Okay. Black Mirror does not have any chuckles and guffaws, but Netflix has all the rights, and they are uh, said to be producing some new episodes. Oh, that'll be interesting. I can't wait. the The guy who the original guy who created Black Mirror is the one that's penning the script, so we'll yep. see how this goes. Right. All right. Well, I I will I will watch if there are new ones. I will definitely watch. D- did you ever get around to watching the Christmas special with uh, never- the guy from uh, Mad Men? Uh, John Hamm. No, I haven't seen that. I've actually only watched three Black Mirror episodes so far. I keep forgetting to get back to it. Oh my God, dude, you have to get back to that. And you have to watch the John Hamm episode. That was one of the craziest things. It's not as, it's not as good as the pig pig fucking, but good. (laughs) Yeah. I will sign up with a boomerang Gmail and uh, send myself reminders to go, uh, go back and watch all that stuff. See, you're getting the hang of this. See, I was starting to get it. And then I'll have a watch and then it'll ding and tell me to go watch the TV show. Right. <laughs> uh Stephen Colbert's late show uh debuted the other night. Um so he went to, <laughs> it's a very mediocre re- Well, reviews. I mean he went from what was uh you know the kind of the future of uh of late night TV to the past of late night TV. Uh if you'd really want to, you can watch the first late show monologue. It's a link in the show notes from Salon. It's reasonably funny and it is a show that I will never watch. I have it I have it taped. I haven't watched it yet because I just haven't had any time, but yeah. um I will definitely check it out. I'm just so painfully, massively uninterested in the late night format. I just don't care. 
That yeah, one. I mean, and, and I loved Craig Ferguson. I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved Craig Ferguson. I love even even that got me like bored. Yeah, I just I'm not interested in the format. I want John Oliver. I want more in depth. I want, you know, I, I just I don't give a shit about uh, celebrity de jour uh, uh, Kardashian showing up. I could care less. I want insightful commentary and jokes. Yeah. Yep. So know. I'm yeah. done. I'm not going to be watching it. So. <laughs> and, and and yeah, I, I I stopped watching the Daily Show. I stopped watching Colbert Report. You know, well, see, that's the thing. Even those have started to feel old and dated since John Oliver came along. And now you're going back to like you know, this is your grandparents' late show. Kinda, yeah. I mean, the best thing about John Oliver is that everybody will tell me when there's a great bit on Twitter, and then I'll just go watch that bit. I don't have to watch the whole show. Right. So. I watch the whole show. Though. That's great. Okay, be nope. that way. Uh, I do want to do a quick uh, shout out to Narcos. The new uh, Netflix this, series? This, as far as I can tell, has the best PR campaign ever in the entire world because I cannot turn around without somebody talking about or see a billboard for Narcos. And it was the fastest turnaround for a renewal for Netflix. They did it within the week, the first week that it, that it aired. Amazing. Okay. It is amazing. The, the season finale left a little bit to be desired. Um, oh, but oh, I guess they just dropped everything, right? All the episodes. Oh yeah, well of course it's Netflix. You got to binge. Oh okay. There so you go. we watched it. We watched it in about a week. So, All right. um, All right. but man, it it was really good. It is it is not anywhere near what actually happened. Of course <laughs> <But> not. <laughs> if you want to learn more about you know uh, Pablo Escobar, there are a thousand uh, documentaries out there that will tell you about it. But um, the show itself completely fictionalized in so many ways. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's still fantastic. All right. I have I have no complaints about the show except like I said the the last episode, the last 5 minutes kind of left a lot to be desired. But the rest of the show solid all the way through. And the guy that they had playing Pablo Escobar mm-hmm. is one of the best actors I have ever seen. This guy can speak with his eyes better than anybody else. He basically he looks at you and you get chills because you're just like, "Oh shit, I'm dead." <laughs> it's so good. All right, I'll have to check it out. And actually, I just realized I wanted to just give a second shout out too. I have continued to watch Blunt Talk, the uh, Patrick Stewart vehicle. It is goddamn funny. It is really funny. It is definitely worth the time. Um, I think you would really enjoy it too, Jason. I, it's just he is hitting it out of the park. Patrick. Awesome! I can't. Yeah, I, I, dude, Patrick Stewart, come on, make it, make it, make it so. Make it so, and stick with the show. And if you haven't watched it yet, go check it out. Yeah, you will. You will like it. And I fucking love science news, and I really do, and it's from them, so it's appropriate. Uh, A new species of human has been discovered in South Africa. This is basically cool as crap. Uh, It's basically, uh, we're remodeling the entire humanity's family tree. Uh, It's called Homo nelidi, I guess, and it was discovered at the University of Witwatersrand. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) With National Geographic. Uh, Apparently, tall, thin, smaller heads... Uh, it's, this is all super interesting. Do check out the link in the show notes. Um, I love this sort of stuff. I just, I can't get enough of it. Uh, we know next to, no, we know nothing, Jon Snow, about our history or about this planet and discovering that there's an entire another offshoot of humanity that existed for quite a long time. It looks like there are quite a few of them is just cool as shit. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is we, like we decompose and we don't really leave a lot of, you know, fossils. Yeah. So like finding these are are great. 
Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And some of the photos of it are, are absolutely stunning. And there's some, obviously, artwork and reconstruction work have been done. So uh, very, very cool stuff. Okay. And uh, in oh, term, Jesus Christ, uh, <laughs> I, I pressed the wrong button and it just blew out my headphones. Uh, Anthony Bourdain melts a meteorite to make a beautiful blade. This is on Nerdist. And I think I found this through Boing Boing. It's right. just, just check it out. It's cool. It's really the blade is beautiful when he's done with it. Check it out. Uh, I'm always a fan of Bourdain, too. He's always a very interesting guy. So, uh, and, the, look- and the funny thing is they're talking about like, oh, it's a meteorite. You know, it's millions of years old. It's like, well, guess what? Our planet came so- from the same shit. So yes. it's like. So everything around us is. We are made of star stuff. Yes. Everything around us except for uh, San Francisco. That's all brand new. And or, the, or the Kardashians. Uh, the Kardashians who are made of plastic. Yeah. Anyways, continue. Uh, another article I came across, which I like, and uh, you know, we try not to get too political or religious on on this program, but I'm not religious at all. Uh, scientist Jeremy England has come up with a theory that could prove there is no need for God to make life. Uh, it's rather interesting. It basically boils down to you just have a clump of atoms, and if you shine light on it long enough, life will emerge. Uh, it goes into far greater detail on Richard Dawkins' website, so you can read in this if you'd like to. Um, it's pretty interesting. I, I read the longer thing, and I, I liked it all, and it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, there you go. Sorry, God. Okay, I'll check it out. Problem with Richard Dawkins, he's, he's just a dick. I know, he is kind of a dick. He's uh, The problem with atheism in general is we don't really have a very good ambassador. Uh, Bill Maher's kind of a dick. Uh, Dawkins is a kind of a dick. Did I tell we, you? We lost, we lost Chris Hitchens, who was the biggest dick, but an awesome dick. But he was an awesome dick, and a dick, a dick anyone could respect. Mm-hmm. A respectable dick. There's no <laughs> good show title, except we already have one. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. So, we'll see. Um, there was another thing that we covered a long time ago that had the theory that we are basically helping entropy, that, that life is there to help entropy. Remember that one? I do, and I, I still love that theory. I think it's really interesting. It actually keeps me up at night thinking about that theory. It, like, it, is, it has hurt my brain thinking about that theory. For fuck's sake, watch a funny movie, Jason. I found something actually interesting on Twitter for once. What? It? what? Oh, it's something I actually like. Uh, there's an article in Recode on it. The link is in our show notes. Uh, but basically, just follow at ThinkPeaceBot. It's uh, designed by Nora Reed and uses a free online tool to tweet out fake sensational headlines for think pieces like you might find from Salon, which I love, The Atlantic, The Guardian, etc. Basically, all the bullshit, stupid headlines that we always make fun of. Uh, ThinkPeaceBot basically just tweets out constant hilarious fake headlines which probably could be real it's okay uh you know one of them being you know how twitter bots and millennials are secretly ruining your sex life or are millennials getting high on cat videos it's very funny (laughs) okay uh it seems like we could just like have a better just love of headline bot and just kind of go with that we could make that except we're lazy and i don't code anymore exactly I would like to have a shout out to our friend of the show, Jordan Cooper of the Morning Dump. Hey, Jordan. He got married. Oh, how is Miss Pooper? Uh, Miss Pooper is uh, probably doing well, but uh, it's good for us because he's now back on the podcast bandwagon because he took like almost a month off. 
I was going to say, I haven't seen him out and about, especially as we tend to uh, tweet each other when there are some uh, soccer tournaments going on, and I haven't uh, seen him recently, even though we've had the UFA Cup and all that. So uh, good uh, congratulations on getting married, and uh, looking forward to talking about soccer. Yeah, yeah, he had he got married, and he got a new apartment, so he's been moving and all that stuff. So I'm very happy for him, and I'm glad he's back. And uh, very big congrats on your nuptials. Yes, congratulations. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Jeopardy! Alex Trebek and Johnny Gilbert. I went to a taping. Uh, actually, saw three shows taped on Tuesday. It was a fantastic experience. Experience if you've never done it before, and if you're a huge fan of Jeopardy, I highly recommend you go check out tapings. Uh, it's pretty cool to see that machine in motion. Uh, Alex Trebek is a great grumpy, cranky bastard these days, and he's <laughs> uh, you know in between shots and and everything. He he talks to the audience. He's a very very funny man. Oh, that's very cool. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a great day on Tuesday. A lot of fun. I would totally go back. Like normally, I've gone to tapings before for things like, especially when I was doing a lot of work with bands and every time they'd play the Leno show or whatever, I'd go and I was just like, eh, okay, I've done this once. Who cares? Uh, the only uh, caveat to that rule would be the Jimmy Kimmel show because they have a open bar in the green room. So, nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I've done a bunch of uh, TV shows and tapings, and I, there's not any I'd go back to except for Jeopardy. I would totally go back and do that again. It was a lot of fun. Very cool. I've never been to a TV show taping. I've been on movie sets. Yeah. Um, you can actually see me in uh, Spider-Man. I'm in the, in the crowd scene at the wrestling match on Spider-Man, and I would never do that again. That was yeah. the longest day of my life. Yeah, I was I was only on one movie shoot. It was for that uh, Juliet Lewis uh, 2000 virtual reality thing. I can't even remember what the damn movie was called, where they were taking the drugs and. You no know, way! You were you were you were on there for that one. Uh, well, they did a big rave downtown that Aphex Twin played at. That they filmed for like the party sequence, and I was I was there, and I think you can see me in one shot. No way! I love that movie. <laughs> well, I'm in it. <laughs> oh, it was uh, it was actually called. Uh, let's Super let's look it up here. It was um, oh my god, that was so long ago. But it was a um, it was a James Cameron movie. Yes, yes. And it was called. We're well, gonna figure that out at some point. Uh, <laughs> no idea what it was called. Jesus, well, I, I've seen that movie so many times and I can't even remember the damn name of it. Put in a few seconds of the Jeopardy theme, cut, and then say the name of the damn movie. It's called Strange Days. There we go, Strange Days. Yes, I was yes. Uh, was in that. That's awesome. I love that movie. And if you haven't, if you have never seen Strange Days, go check it out. It was, it's what happens. What, it's actually what's going to happen when we get <laughs> Oculus Rift and brain downloading. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out. Uh, this is a cross promotion. Uh, Blue Apron. Yes. So on uh, my day job, The Art of Charm, we uh, are Blue Apron sponsors our show. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go check them out, and because. Uh, our host and his girlfriend just raved about it. I got my first package on Wednesday. I am a huge fan of Blue Apron now. Okay. I've made two of the meals. They both came out better than restaurant quality. I've done uh, I've done Blue Apron in the past, and I I have to say that the uh, yeah I have to admit the the quality is is fantastic, and the instructions are great. It's very easy to make things, and it's all really really good. I did not have a bad meal. From the, the two times I tried it. Yeah, no, I've got a subscription now. I'm getting three meals a week. Uh, th honestly, the quality of the ingredients is better than whole whole paycheck. You know, <laughs> I got I, I like pulled the stuff out and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh my god, these are beautiful. Like the vegetables are beautiful. The meats and fishes were beautiful. So 
this is the cross promotion part. If you want to get your first two meals free, go to blueapron.com and use the coupon code charm and, and we'll give you uh, your first two meals free. I highly recommend it. I've been posting pictures to Instagram and Twitter about the food that I've been making. It is delicious. Yeah, it's good stuff. So I, I would say try it out if you haven't tried it. I have one more shout out. A friend of mine and friend of the show has a product that uh, they've developed over in merry old England called the Wolf Pack. It, it's a new kind of backpack that has this sling around feature. So it looks like it'd be super useful, especially if you're like stuck in the tube or traveling. Uh, take a look at it. Uh, it's for, it's uh, There's a sale right now in the States uh, through Touch of Modern, which we've talked about before as well. Um, I watched the video on this. It looks like a pretty cool concept. I'm actually thinking about picking one of these up before I head off to, to Europe. So we'll see. Awesome. I'll definitely take a take a peek. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason DeFilippo, and you can check me out at jpd.me. And I'm Brian Schillmeister, and you can follow me on Twitter at SlenderFungus. Until next time. Grumpy Old Geeks is a fan-supported show. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash GOG. We really appreciate your support. If you don't want to or can't donate but want to support the show, please go to grumpyoldgeeks.com slash iTunes and leave us a few words and five stars, or better yet, tell a friend about the show. Intro music for the show is provided by the band Among Us. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and other venues where music is available for streaming that is ruining the economy. Or you can just donate through the Grumpy Old Geeks Patreon page at patreon.com slash GOG and get 10 exclusive tracks. Outro music for the show is provided by Andy Stachansky. You can follow Andy at twitter.com slash houseofandy, and he's also on SoundCloud at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash Andy. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 127. This is Grumpy Old Geeks.